We'll start in John 14. I want to start with verse 10. So when we look at, when Jesus makes this statement in John 15, when he says, I am the, the true vine, now he had just got done teaching a week prior and, and relating Israel to a vineyard. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, the vine represented Israel, but in a negative connotation. And Jesus has come along and said, hey, I'm the true vine. I'm the one to put your trust and your faith in. It's me. And he talks about this relationship Really, this thing about the vine and the branches is one of relationship. It's one of dependency. It's one of continual connection. And there, there's this thing of intimacy and connection and dependency and relationship that's, that's even taken to a greater level. We've talked about the shepherd and the sheep. And there's a, there's a measure of dependency that the sheep have for the, the shepherd. Sheep have uh, depend on the shepherd. But... The vine and the branches really take this to a whole other level, even more so even than we look in other examples in the Bible of, of, of a son and a father relationship, you know, that we have a relationship of, of a son and a father. There, there's, there's a measure of a dependency every child has on the parent, but, but the, the dependency the branch has with the vine is probably the greatest dependency of any example that you could really find in the Bible. So a lot of times when we read... And I kind of want to preface this. When we read John 15 and we read about fruit, we instantly think of Galatians 5, right? In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul talks about fruit of the Spirit, right? And he lists nine different fruit of the Spirit. Some people say there's one. They say love and everything bursts out of love. Other people say there's nine. But he lists nine different characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit there. And... I don't believe that Jesus is talking about fruit of the Spirit in John chapter 15. And let me tell you a little bit why. Because in context, remember, John 13 through John 16, Jesus is having that that last meal and the last teaching with his disciples before he goes to the cross. The context of everything in 14, 15, and 16 really deals with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit is not yet here, but Jesus is going to pray, the Father will send him, and that one day he'll come reside in you. So all this teaching takes place in the context of the Holy Spirit. And so we haven't mentioned the Holy Spirit in chapter 14, actually at the end of 15 and also in 16, and sandwiched right in the middle is this little uh, I am statement that I am the vine and you're the branches. And I want to pick up in John 14 just to kind of set the tone of what Jesus is getting ready to say in John 15. So in John 14, verses 10 through 12, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? So right away, remember at the beginning of John 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, If it were not, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not, so I would have told you. And, And the place he tells us that he is, he says, I'm in the Father. In the place that I am, you can be also. So he's saying, I'm going to go away for a few days. I'm coming back. And when I get back, there's going to be a place that you can be, the same place that I currently am, and that place is in the Father. I really think he's even talking at the beginning of 14, not about getting us into heaven, but preparing a place for us to be in the Father, the same place he is. So then in John 14, verse 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So right away he says, hey, I have a relationship with the Father. I'm in him. He's in me. How many would agree that Jesus did some great works? Right? And the works he's speaking of here is miraculous works, miracles, works that cannot be done apart from the Holy Spirit filling the life of a believer. Jesus says, hey, I, you saw me do the works, but it really wasn't me doing the works. Who was it? He says it was the Father. I'm in him. He's in me. He actually was the one doing the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Again, he's talking about this connection, this relationship dependency. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So if Jesus did works, 
because of the relationship of him being in the Father, and he gives credit to the Father for doing them, if I believe in him, if I put my faith in him, it now places me in that same relationship with the Father. And then although we as believers are anointed to do the works, who's ultimately doing the works? If Jesus gave credit to the Father, it's really the Father. It's the, the Father through the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. So he's saying, hey, I did some miraculous things, but those miraculous things I did came out of the context of this relationship, this me being in the Father, the Father being in me. And ultimately, it really wasn't me doing it. It was the Father in me. Remember when Jesus came to the earth, it says that he laid aside, he actually willingly laid aside all of his godlike qualities and characteristics. Not that he was no longer God, but that he willingly laid aside his, his, his uh, ability to do things. And he came as a man. He came just like we are. And it wasn't until the Holy Spirit filled him and empowered him that he actually did anything miraculous. And for three years, he trains his disciples, he works with them, and now we're down to the very last couple days that he's got before he goes to the cross. So he's talking here about miracles, doing greater works, miraculous works, things that are supernatural. So it would make sense now, as we transition to John 15, and he's talking about this same relationship, he said, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, now he's going to talk about the same relationship where you're in me, I'm in you, the Father's in you, you're in the, all this same kind of connection. So if you look at verse chapter 15, and I'm, we're not going to get, read this uh, for text today, we're really just going to look at the first eight verses, it kind of lays out in 16, if you read 1 through 16, it's all about, some about fruit, but it says in 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and do what? bear fruit, and that your fruit will do what? Last. So not only is his, his uh, purpose for us to bear fruit, but he wants us to bear fruit that remains, or bear fruit that lasts. And I think Pastor Jay said last week, one of the greater works uh, that we do as believers, that G Jesus never actually led somebody to the Lord. We actually can lead somebody to the Lord and see that miracle of the new birth take place in their life. So he says, I want you to not only bear fruit, but I want you to bear fruit that remains. And so that whatever you ask in my name, who's going to give it? The Father. Right? So some things like you cannot do these greater works, you cannot do the miraculous through discipline alone. Right? I can discipline myself to be kind to somebody. Right? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. I can discipline myself to, be, to show goodness. I can discipline myself to be long-suffering. But you can't discipline yourself into the supernatural. See, supernatural, the things that Jesus has designed you to do, only are birthed out of this relationship, this abiding, this intimacy that he's trying to show us about today in this, this text. So I kind of just want to use that to set the stage. So as we talk about bearing fruit, now, is it necessary to have the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. Because how many have ever known somebody that operates in the supernatural, but they got a terrible attitude? Right? Maybe it's the person to your left. Right? So character development is important. Having the fruit of the Spirit in your life is important. But, but he has has enabled us, he has partnered with us to do things that are really beyond our ability. And you're only going to do that through this connection with the Holy Spirit. All right, next slide. All right, here we are. John chapter 15, and our text will be verses 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now there's going to be a quiz, okay? There's three people in here, all right? Just pay attention. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Father, I just ask today as your word is taught, Holy Spirit, we would have open minds, open hearts, drop nuggets of revelation into each one of us. Father, I pray for the one that might be here today that doesn't know you, or that may not even be a branch. I pray that today would be the day that new life would begin. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, next slide. Three things. Jesus says, I am the vine. So who's the vine? Hey, you got, you're on it. It's not too early. He says, my father is the what? Vine dresser. So vine dresser can mean, some translations might say husbandman. Some translations might say farmer. He's the guy that tends the vines. And he says, we are the what? The branches. Okay, so we have the vine, which is Jesus. The vine dresser, or the farmer, which is the father. And we have the branch, or branches, which represent those who have put their faith in Jesus. Whose job is it to produce fruit? All three, the branches. So he says, I have called you to bear fruit. So sometimes the problem comes in when we are the branch, but we try to be the vine. Ultimately, all fruit is produced by the vine. It's borne forth by the branch. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble and we try to be the vine dresser. Especially when we try to vine dress somebody else's branch. Right? You ever done that? I tried that in my marriage. It doesn't work. Hey, baby, you got a sprout that needs cut. Right? That's not my job to trim branches. The vine produces the fruit. He's the source of the, the fruit. The vine dresser is responsible for the quantity of the fruit. He's the one doing the pruning. He's the one doing the nourishing. He's the one doing the weeding. The branch abides. I've been to vineyards in California, Italy, Israel. I've walked through rows of vines of grapes. You know what's interesting about the ones in Italy? I was walking through the vineyard in Italy, and I heard these grapes, they're going, I claim grapes! In the name of Jesus, I will bring forth grapes! I contend for grapes! No, they weren't doing that. They were doing this. See, sometimes we to contend for something that can only be birthed through abiding. Not every fruit that's produced is brought forth by declaration. Is there a place for declaration? 100%. Is there a place for contending? Yes. But not all fruit is birthed that way. Some fruit is just birthed by abiding in the vine. Making sure that I'm connected. Making sure that I'm in relationship. Allowing the vine to be the source that produces the fruit and use me to bear it. 
says, I want you to bear fruit. And he goes through, now we're going to look at, there's four different categories or levels, let's say levels of fruitfulness. And there's three words that I want to, kind of like steps. And I'm, I must be stuck on P's lately. I don't know why. But I'll start with P today. Not because I have to pee. But I think it's because I've been so involved in this CARES Act and the PPP loan. Anybody ever hear of the PPP loan? Like, yeah, some of you have applied for it, gotten it. Like, I'm stuck in the P's. So, first P today is going to be picks up. The second P will be prunes. And the third P is place. Picks up, prunes, and place. And... and and I want to look at this story because Jesus and the Father want to take us to a place of producing fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And see, the first one, if you're producing no fruit, if I'm not producing any fruit, He wants me to get me to a place of producing fruit. And if I'm producing fruit, He wants to get me to produce more fruit. I shouldn't say produce, bear. And if I'm bearing more fruit, he wants to get me to a place of much fruit. So, no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And we're going to look at pick up, prune, and place. All right, let's go. Next slide. So here's, we're going to start this out, and a lot of people read John chapter 15, verse 2, and they get scared. say, well, how do you get picks up? So pick up, pick up takes us from no fruit to fruit. And when you read this verse, it says, he that abides in me and does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes away. And I think often we read this and think, if I'm not fruitful, what's God going to do? going to cut me off. He's going to trim me away from the branch or the vine. If his goal is for me to bear much fruit and he cuts me off when I'm bearing none, how am I ever going to get to the place of being fruitful? See, it produces a theological dilemma because we've just read in the, or studied the last couple lessons. Let's just take the, the sheep and the shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. No man shall pluck them out of my hand or my father's hand. My father and I are one. And now he says, if you don't produce fruit, the father's going to take you away. That's a dilemma. So how do I become fruitful if he takes me out? I think most, most translations have mistranslated this word, and it, and it produces a lot of bad theology. I want to show you quickly, I want to show you what this word in the Greek is. I want to show you a couple examples, and I want to, what I think is a better translation. The word takes away is the Greek word ero. Now, it does mean to take away and to remove. That is one application. Matter of fact, when John the Baptist sees Jesus in John chapter 1 and he says, Behold the Lamb, that does what? Takes away the sin of the world. That's the use of this word. It does mean take away. But it also, in many applications, also means to lift up or to pick up. To lift up, to raise up, to elevate, or to pick up. Let me give you a couple examples. Mark chapter 2. Next slide. Mark chapter 2. You remember the four guys that brought the paralytic? You remember Jesus was in the house teaching? And there was a paralyzed guy and they couldn't get in the house. So they put him on a stretcher and brought him. Remember they let him down through the roof? It said that the paralytic was carried by four people. That's the word ero. After Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves, you remember he fed the 5,000? Mark chapter 6. Instead, he told the disciples to go around and do what with the leftovers? Pick them up. They didn't throw them away. 
they picked them up and put them in what? Baskets. And then you guys will love this. I did this just for Whitney. The guy at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 6, John 5. What did he say? I got nobody to... I got nobody to put me in the pool. I got nobody to put me in the pool. Jesus said, shut up. No, he didn't say shut up. He said, stand up and do what? Pick up your mat and go. Pick it up. So this word means to lift. It means to elevate. It means to pick up. See, if you were a Jewish person at the time Jesus told the story, you would have understood that a Judean, Judean vineyard, how they took care of the vine. And you would know that cutting off was not what they did to a vine that didn't produce fruit. Listen to this in the, in the, the Passion Translation, because I think the Passion gets this right. Next slide. The Passion says, He cares for the branches connected to me, by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. He cares for the branches that don't produce fruit by lifting them up, picking them up. See, the branch that doesn't produce fruit, if you look at a vine, if you plant a, if you plant a grapevine and you put it in the ground, the branch that grows out, the tendency... Branches aren't rigid, right? If I let go of this, what's going to happen? Right? So where's the branch naturally going to go? The ground. Now, when, a, when a, a vine branch lays on the ground, especially in Israel, there's warm days, there's cool nights, there's heavy dew uh, in the early spring, late summer, and when that branch lays on the ground, because of the dew, because of the warm days, cold nights, it begins to develop mold, and it begins to develop fungus. Somebody say there's a fungus? Among us. So, when that branch is laying in the ground, in the dirt, the vine dresser doesn't come by and do this. He takes a rock, and he props it up. And then he gets usually a Y-shaped stick. Now today we would use what's called a trellis. And what's he do with that branch? He starts to train it around the trellis. See, as he lifts that branch, and as he puts that branch on that Y-shaped twig, now the moisture that causes the mold, the moisture that causes the fungus, the wind begins to blow and circulate around that leaf and that branch and dries it out. What does wind represent? See, if you're not producing fruit, supernatural fruit, you're in Christ. God does not want to cut you off. He wants to lift you up. And He wants the Holy Spirit to fill you. He wants the wind of the Spirit to blow through you, in you, over you, upon you, to get you to a place where you can go from no fruit to bearing some fruit. See, when Jesus sent the disciples out, it wasn't long after that, he goes to the cross, he comes back from the grave, he spends 40 days hanging out with them, teaching them about the kingdom. And before he leaves, some of his last words, he says, he says, those that believe in me, says, these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. 
they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But, he said, you've got to wait. That's what you will do when you believe, but you've got to wait. And at that time, they had to wait for whom? The Holy Spirit. Because he says, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it says that they were all in a room in one accord, and there was a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty, That's the first step to supernatural fruitfulness. You cannot do anything to the level that God wants to do through you without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. See, the things that He's calling us to are impossible on your own. You cannot discipline yourself into it. Here's what I want to say about picks up. The vine dresser does not remove you. He merely repositions you in order to bear fruit. See, some of you need repositioned. Some of you need repositioned because of your lifestyle. Doesn't mean you're not saved, it doesn't mean you're not in Christ. It just means you're in the dirt. Some of you need repositioned because of the people that you hang out with. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not in Christ. It just means you're wallowing in the mud. Some of you might need a new job. Some of you might need a new church. There was a time in my life when I had a hunger for the Holy Spirit and I realized the place that I was at attending church wasn't going to take me to the level that God was calling me to. And I pray that that's never this church. We are a Spirit-filled church. See, God wants to pull you up. You're like, well, maybe, maybe you were victimized. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you had things said about you and you're holding on to hurt and you're laying in the mud. It doesn't matter the reason you're in the mud. It doesn't matter the reason that you have mold growing on you and you got fungus. That vine dresser wants to pick you up. He wants to fill you. See, we don't start walking right in order to get filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to walk correctly. See, the Apostle Paul said, walk, live in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. He didn't say, don't do the desires of the flesh, and then God will fill you. God wants to take you in the middle of that mess and say, i got a plan for you. I know you're living in sin. I know you're cheating. I know you're stealing. I know you're running around, listening to the wrong stuff, doing the wrong stuff. But I've got a fruitful plan for you. I want to fill you. Not into removing you. You're in Him. He's in you. He's into raising you to a place where that wind can blow. Next. Prunes. Now, I'm not talking about... I was looking in the mirror the other day and realized... Huh. Don't look as good as it used to. Huh. Like a pack of prunes back there. 
not talking about those prunes. I'm talking about dried plums. Kristen says, stop. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> Pruning. Once the vine dresser takes you from no fruit and now elevates you to the place of producing fruit, how many know all the fruit you produce isn't good? Sometimes you spit out some bad grapes. Matter of fact, when you're growing grapes for the purpose of producing wine, it takes a full three years to even get to the point of producing a grape that's wine worthy. See, the first couple years, the reason that the pruning keeps happening is for the character to build, for the strength to build. And sometimes we expect too much out of somebody too new. That we're expecting 30-year-old fruit when they've only been in the Lord for three months. See, there's a pruning process that has to take place. Jesus said, in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. This word prune and the word clean, although one's a verb and one's a noun, are the same Greek word. And the way that the Father and the Holy Spirit prune us, how did he tell the disciples they were clean already? He said, you're clean already because of the Word. That the Father prunes us, he trims us back with his Word. And pruning's a good thing. A lot of times, everybody wants to promise, but nobody wants to prune it. So you want a yes and amen, but no way Jose to the prune. And sometimes you need a clip. See, even the disciples who, who, now he said that you're clean already by the word I've spoken to you. If you go back to John 13, remember when he's washing the disciples' feet, he said, uh, you're already clean. That's the same word. He said, but you need to have... Uh, you know, your feet need to be washed because you pick up some dirt on the bottom of your feet once in a while. How many know when you're in the world, you tend to pick up a little dirt once in a while? And there's this continual washing of the Word that needs to take place. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, the next slide, he says, As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the what? The Word. The Word, the Word, the Word is what prunes you. See, even the disciples, now, at the time they were with Jesus, they were operating in the miraculous, although they're kind of like under the umbrella of his anointing. They haven't received their own Holy Spirit yet, if you will. But as they're under his anointing, they're doing miraculous things. He sends them out in Luke chapter 9. They go out, they experience the miraculous, and they come back, and they're pumped up. He's, all of a sudden, he's raised their level of expectation. And then Jesus says, it says later, Luke chapter 9 says, Jesus is going, he says, his face is set to go to Jerusalem. And it said, but first they had to pass through this Samaritan village. And the disciples go ahead and it says the Samaritan village wouldn't receive him. And so, uh, I think it was James and John or Peter and John, they come back and said, Lord, they wouldn't receive you. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven like Elijah did and wipe them out? Now, Jesus never tuned him up for wanting to call fire down. He actually, I think he was slightly amused. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy man. I came to save him. So, you know, in that, all of a sudden, something stirred up to where they believe that they can call fire down from heaven like Elijah did. And God, and Jesus was like, that's okay. I like the way you think. You're thinking big. I'd have probably said, do you want me just to torch their house? Right? Something I could do. But no, they're calling fire down from heaven. I like the way you think. It's just a little off. 
It's just a little off, boys. I just need to tr trim it up a little bit. Keep thinking that way, but you've got to rein it in just a little bit. So sometimes we don't always produce fruit that's the best fruit. I'll go back a little ways. I've drank $2 wine. Boone's Farm. <laughs> Mad Dog 2020. When I was 20, Boone's Farm Country Quencher, $1.99. I've also drank $200 wine. But when all you drink is Boone's Farm, you don't know that anything else exists. See, sometimes when we see a little glimmer of a miracle, we want to stay there because we think that's the best thing ever. And we get stuck in the Boone's Farm miracle. <laughs> that's a, it's a Mad Dog 2020 miracle. I need to trim it. says, I'm thinking $200. See, sometimes we need trim because we get stuck in a rut of what we think is miraculous. Sometimes, now remember, we always think that it's me, the branch, and Jesus, the vine, and all you other branches don't exist. And so sometimes... I need trimmed because I'm so into my own fruit, I'm blocking your fruitfulness. Sometimes Jesus wants to get me out of your way. And so sometimes He prunes me so I can bear more fruit. Remember, He's not just looking for me to bear more fruit, He's looking for the vineyard to produce more fruit. And sometimes the trimming on me is so the sunlight can get to you. It's about the body. It's about the body living, breathing, nourishing, feeding off the Holy Spirit and off Jesus together. Next slide. Skip it. Next slide. Pruning is not punishment. See, a lot of times we think the pruning is for because we did something bad. Pruning is a good thing. Pruning is not a punishment. It's the pathway to more fruit. I want to be pruned. I want to be pruned. It's okay if you mess up. It's a great thing about this church. You can mess up. It's okay. Try to, try to do something for the Lord. If you get it wrong, he's going to prune it. He's going to trim it up. You want a coal fire down from heaven? God bless you. I'll let him trim you up. All right. I hate to say, I don't even want to say this is a fruitfulness process. Because process infers that the pickup is step one, the prune is step two, and this place that we're going to talk about in a minute is three. You know, really there could be areas of your life where you're in a pruning stage here, but you got something over here that just needs lifted. Or that maybe you're doing all three at one time. See, there's, I don't want to call it a process. It's just principles of becoming more fruitful. Alright, number three. Place. Now, the vine dresser does one and two. The vine dresser picks you up to take you from no fruit to fruit. The vine dresser prunes you up or tunes you up, whatever you want to say, to take you from fruit to more fruit. But ultimately, he wants to get us to a place of much fruit. And much fruit 
doesn't happen until you get to that place of abiding. If you look up this word abide, it's the word meno in the Greek. I think close to 35% of the time it's used in the entire New Testament, it's used in the book of John. So if you ever want to do a study on the word abide or remain, look, look at John. And in the book of John, it's used the most times, guess what chapter? 15. The critical component to this chapter. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless what? It abides. You will never do anything apart from the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Next slide. Abide means to remain, to dwell, to continue, to endure, to be present, or to continue to be present. So a lot of times people read this verse and say, oh, get all sanctimonious my sanctimonious voice. Oh, you know, apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. Apart from the Lord. And is that true? Yeah. But you're never apart from the Lord. The same word that we're told to abide, Jesus uses of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. Next slide. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter, that He will do what? Abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, neither, because they neither see Him nor know Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. So the constant, Jesus says, I need to abide in you, you need to abide in me. Of the two, which one's the constant? The Holy Spirit abides how long? Would that kind of be a constant? That's kind of a constant forever, right? So although positionally, see the Holy Spirit's in you, He dwells in you forever. Positionally, you're placed in Christ the day you get saved. But a lot of us don't walk like we're in Christ. A lot of us don't live like we're in Christ. See, positionally, He's in you forever. You're in Him forever. But nobody would know it. Next slide. So, how do we abide? Practically, how do I abide in Christ? Positionally, I'm in Him. How do I practically do it? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire and it should be done for you. There's a lot of ways to abide in Christ. I can abide in Christ through prayer. Stay in connection with Him through prayer. I can abide in Christ through what we just did a little bit ago, worship. I can abide in Christ through praise. But I think the primary way that we abide in Christ is through His Word. Because without the Word, I will guarantee you, your prayer life will devolve. Without the Word, you'll only be able to praise Him for the things that you see in the natural. You'll not know what you really have in Christ. Without the Word, you might sing songs of worship that sound good, but they're completely off base. One thing I love about our worship leader, Katie, she'll text me and say, do you agree this is scriptural or not scriptural? Because we need to sing things that line up with God's Word. If I don't know what His Word says, when somebody gives me a Word, how do I know if it lines up with anything? See, this says that there's a level of fruitfulness in which we can ask the Father for anything we wish. 
I'm not there yet. Jesus was there. He said, you can ask the Father for anything you wish in my name. And that's a qualifier, in my name, because it doesn't say it there, but in other places it says, uh, when we ask in Jesus' name, see, in Hebraic culture, a name of somebody represented their character and their nature. So yes, when we ask in Jesus' name, it's, it's uh, displaying our authority, the authority he gives us. But when we ask in his name, it has to be in line with his character and his nature. And as I abide in the word, and as I allow the word to prune me, and the spirit to, to speak to me, all of a sudden I can start asking for things that line up with his character and his nature. There's a level of fruitfulness that exists where you can ask whatever you desire. And it says the Father will do it for you. It says that He's glorified in it. It says that people will know that you're my disciples because of it. See, Jesus is calling us to this, this intimacy with Him and the Father through the Holy Spirit that will never put a doubt in people's mind that you're one of His disciples. So I know there's been times in my life where I wasn't living bad, but there was nothing evident that would say, He's a disciple of Jesus. See, there should be supernatural fruit when you're connected to the supernatural vine. See, even back in the beginning, when God created the earth, it said that everything produced after its kind. Fish produced fish. Trees produce trees. People produce people. You're the God kind. You should produce God kind fruit. Pray. Stand up. I'm going to pray for you today. Today, Jesus was speaking really to believers. You know, there's a call. He said, I appointed you and called you that you would go and bear fruit and your fruit would remain. Paul says it a different way. He says that one day your works will be judged same work when Jesus says the works I do the father actually does the works Paul says the works one day will be judged either wood hay and stubble or gold silver and precious stones and he says you want to have works that last works that remain works that are eternal so first and I need to ask, if you're here today and you're not a branch, you're not connected to Jesus, you can't have life apart from Jesus. See, the vine supplies life. Jesus wants you to have a relationship with him just like he has with his. He wants to, to fill you. He wants to put his spirit in you. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to pray for you. I'm just ask if, if if you don't know Jesus and you want to be you want to be connected to the vine. I'd like to see your hand today. If you don't know Jesus, 
never been connected to the vine. All right, so I just want to pray for you guys today. You want to put your hands up like this. Father, with outstretched hands today, I ask your Holy Spirit, first of all, Lord, I ask you just to pick up any place that's in the mud. Lord, we allow you to do your work as the vine dresser. Father, you know what those places are in each person's life. So, Lord, I just ask right now that you'd pick it up. Holy Spirit, fill those voids, fill those vacancies. Remove that mold, remove that mildew and that fungus, Lord, everything dirty. Holy Spirit, make it clean. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Father, we surrender to your word today. Lord, your word that gives life, it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder soul and spirit to the joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, Father, we allow your word right now access to the deepest realms of our being. Lord, to divide out, to sever out, to cut out anything that's illegitimate. Cut out wrong thoughts, wrong activities. Lord, to prune us to a place of more fruitfulness. And Father, right now, I just pray that there would be an abiding, a rest. Lord, as we relax and rest in you. And Lord, that you would just send an abundance of the miraculous to this church. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right, so I got an update here. It says, okay, so they just took his mom, um, speaking of Bernie, is that right? Uh, In for surgery, found bleeding in the small intestine, so they're making sure everything's okay, nothing is serious. Had dad surgery for legs, got moved into noon today, and little Michael is now in ICU. Not sure what's changed, but maybe to be closely monitored. Let's just, uh, I know Jay prayed earlier for them today. Let's just pray for a miracle. What better day than today, right? There's no better time than right now. Father, Holy Spirit, we ask for a miracle in each one of those uh, hospital rooms. Let the breath of your spirit blow through that door into that bed. Surround them, cover them, Lord. Eliminate every, everything that's wrong. Set it right. Set the bones straight, Lord. Uh, dissolve the blood on the brain. Alleviate the pain and the pressure in the name of Jesus. Your word says that we can ask anything we wish according to your name. Lord, I know that it's your nature And it's your character to heal. So we just say healing in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen. Hey, have a great day. Love you guys.